most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Welcome to episode 176 of Keeping up with the Joneses On this week's episode, Mommy is sick So I'll be your host, MJ Jones MJ Jones, how the heck are you? Good hey, Let's do a weekly recap, how was your week? Good what, what was the highlight of your week? That we got presents on our tea. We do. We, we've got some great presents. Um, did you do anything at preschool this week that was important? Yep. A party. You did? A Christmas party. Wow. And we played games like Hi Jesus and You Have to Find It and Dr. Goose and Freeze Dance. Wow, I love Freeze Dance. Weren't you in a musical this week as well? Yeah. What was the musical about? I don't know. Oh, what what did you play in the in the nativity? I was a shark. You were a shark? Yeah. At the birth of Jesus? Yeah. And you had an outfit and everything, didn't you? Yeah. You did a great job singing. What are you excited about tonight? Uh, well, Daddy's having a sweepover with me, and I like it because he's sweeping on the floor. In case I get super scared, I could tell him I'm scared about. Yeah. Do you know the other reason Daddy's doing a sleepover with you? No. Mummy's sick and daddy doesn't want to sleep next to her. Because, because then you would get sick. And I don't want to get sick. And we're like, hmm, I don't want to go steal Abby right now. Those are the only kids, but I know there's one more kid. MJ, I could sleep with him. I bet he would be happy. Yeah, but- that's exactly what I thought. So as you can tell from my sweet little co-host... My regular co-host, my wonderful, delightful wife, is in bed, sick, which is sad because we're going to do an end-of-the-year review, but uh, I've tried my best. She just won't get out of bed. She's stubborn like that. So, sweet little MJ joined me for the introduction. He's off to bed. Thank you to everybody who's been listening this year, whether you're a regular or whether you found us in 2017. It's been our privilege to spend time with you each week. When you listen, thank you for listening to us. We hope you have an incredible Christmas, a wonderful new year. We didn't want to leave you empty-handed, however, so we've included a message that I spoke at Grace Center a couple of weeks ago, all about dreams, how I started dreaming. If this is something that interests you, you can listen to part two as well. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can go listen to the rest of the message. It was a two-part series. But for now, enjoy the message. We pray you have an incredible Christmas and New Year, and we will be back in the start of the new year. Our first show of the year should be out 8th of January, 2018. Until then, we pray you have an incredible restful season. Thanks again for listening. You guys are very gracious. Why don't you have a seat? Let's pray and ask for the anointing that he spoke of to rest upon me because no pressure, huh? Now I'm excited to hear what I have to say. I do wonder if we could pray before we begin, not only for a blessing on the word, but also to bless our pastor. It's, I mean, being sick is never fun, but being sick on vacation just feels like you're being robbed and uh, uh, just hate it. I got some inside details and I wish I hadn't. So, uh, Lord Jesus, we just lift up Jeff this morning. We just thank you for him. We ask that your uh, supernatural healing power would go into his body today. Lord, that you, we would see a huge turnaround, that he would be healed, Lord, that he would be absolutely restored. We remember others in our family, in our church body this morning who are also sick. Lord, ask for your tremendous power that we love to proclaim, that we love to preach. 
that we declare that we've seen it work so often in our midst. We ask for your power and your grace to be upon them. And be with us this morning, Lord. Would you feed us? Would you nourish us? Would we go home truly engaged, feeling like we've encountered you this morning? And would you feed us from your word this morning? Amen. Well, it's um, great to be here, even under... Uh, Difficult circumstances. I forgot to pray for Becky as well, because how many of you mother, uh, mothers, how many of you wives know when your husband is sick? <laughs> Finish the sentence. Okay, so if you got your favorite Bible app with you, would you open it and would you scroll to Matthew, please, the book of Matthew? We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1. If you're using one of those analog versions of the Bible, be careful. You're going to get a paper cut with those things. Uh, just go slowly. Matthew chapter 1. I'm asking this morning that the Lord would would give us something this morning. I know that he will because he's very, very faithful like that. But I've, I've been meditating the last couple of weeks about the simplicity of growth and acceleration in our life, spiritual and, and, and others, and that whatever you want to grow in, you need to feed. All right, so if we want to be healthier... We actually have to give our attention to areas of health. If we want to sleep better, we need to give our attention to that. If we want to learn something, we need to give our attention to whatever it is we want to learn. Attention is one of the most important currencies in life. What you give attention to brings growth. And so, you know, at church, if we preach salvation, we see salvation. If we teach on healing, we see people get healed. If we teach on generosity, we become generous people. And so this morning, what I'm asking is that uh, as we read a passage together, that the Lord would give us something, that we'd go home with something very, very practical this morning. So we're going to read this passage. It's a passage we typically only read at Christmas time, but we've already had Thanksgiving, so bring on Christmas. Here we go. We're going to read it together. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Try explaining that one. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we read this short passage, we know that Mary is pregnant, we know that Joseph is like, this does not look too good, but the Lord gives him a dream. And in this dream, an angel comes to him and basically gives him a heavenly perspective of the earthly situation he finds himself in. This morning... I want to teach not only about the Lord's value on dreams, I want us to be inspired to value them too and to actually ask the Lord for an increase of them in our lives. It is no exaggeration to say that in the passage that we read this morning, is my screen not on, guys? It's a shame. I've got a beautiful font this morning and you'd be robbed without beautiful typography. There you go. Uh, so it would be no exaggeration to say that without a dream happening, that Jesus would have grown up in a completely different family environment. What do you suppose may have happened if Joseph did not acknowledge that it was the Lord speaking to him in a dream? 
What if Joseph was just like, man, I don't know, I'm so anxious and, you know, I'm so tense and, you know, it's probably just all my emotions speaking to me. Right, you know, oh. What would have happened? Well, praise God, he didn't think like that. He took the dream seriously. And as a result, he ended up with the privilege of raising the Savior of the world. But what about once Jesus was born? How did God keep him safe? Let's continue with the story that we know. You know the story. Herod hears about, uh, you know, the wise men come to celebrate the birth of this king. Herod gets super jealous, so sends out this edict to kill off all male children under two years old. So Jesus' life is in danger. So what do we do? Well, no problem. He's the son of God, right? God will just send one of those big angels with a big flashing sword. No? Well, you know, what about like fire or a hedge of protection? What about him just rapturing him out of there and then sending him back once Herod's gone? What about one of those crazy four beasts in Revelation that have eyeballs all over them? Send one of them down. That would freak out anybody. <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, I'm here to kill any boys under two. Any? Hey, just go in. You're like, oh, good God, what is that? It's a big eagle, you know, with like, instead of feathers, eyeballs everywhere. But no, what does the Lord use as a means to save his son from certain death? Another dream. Let's read that. It's Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. And the, and the angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Again, what if Joseph woke up that morning and was like, Oh, that's some bad hummus. I mean, that's just a crazy dream. I don't believe what happened last night. But no, he took that as the word of the Lord. Look what it says. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. If you keep reading, you find that the Lord gave Joseph a third dream that went to leave Egypt and come back. What's funny about that is in the second dream, the angel says, hey, I'm going to come back again and tell you when to leave. Kind of weird, isn't it? No? Is everybody okay this morning? <laughs> Can we have the ushers just pass out uh, just shots of espresso? <laughs> Let's do that and see what happens. In the church that I grew up, if you came and said to us, hey, God spoke to me, we'd have a very narrow grid of understanding of what that meant. We'd be like, oh, did you listen to like an inspired teaching series? Like, you know, a sermon? That, that's our grid. If you said, no, no, God spoke to me in a dream, we would just like politely take a step away back from you because maybe you're contagious, right? Maybe you're a new ager. We had no grid for the concept that God would speak through a dream. We only had a grid that God would speak through the word. Despite the word being filled with God speaking to people through dreams, we didn't see that. So, you know, the Bible was up here, dreams in Weirdoville, right? We had no grid for that. And yet God, who values his word above his name, didn't use the scripture to save his son. He used a dream. Now, he could have used a verse like Hosea 11.1, 1, where it says, I called my son out of Egypt. It could have been that Joseph and Mary go to synagogue, and, you know, the reading that week is from Hosea, and, you know, Joseph's listening to that and says to Mary, hey, I just really felt convicted by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the word that we need to go because scripture says I called my son out of Egypt and we know this is God's son and so we need to be in Egypt for him to be called. We should go. And yet he didn't. He uses a dream. 
Apparently, God didn't share the views of my church culture. It's a wake-up call when that happens, isn't it? He used a dream to save his son's life. The safety of his son hung in the balance of something God values tremendously, and it's our dream life. If you read the first two chapters of the New Testament, if you read the first two chapters of Matthew, you'll find that the Lord directed the lives of people by speaking to them in dreams. Five dreams are recorded in the first two chapters of the book. Here's the thing. If we want to be people who hear God speak, we have to value the way he loves to speak. My journey into hearing the voice of the Lord was one of intense frustration because what I didn't realize is I was demanding that he speak the way I hear rather than I have to learn to hear the way he speaks. And it started me on a journey of at first frustration, but it ended up in a journey of fascination. See, I didn't understand that God loves dreams because as I mentioned before, I was raised in a culture to believe that God didn't speak anymore, not through any other means than through good, clear biblical preaching. I love good, clear biblical preaching. To be sure, I think, you know, Good, clear biblical teaching is in great need in the body of Christ. I love it. I love, I love sitting under anointed teaching. I love it. I love that we're spoiled with these like devices where we can just subscribe to a podcast and just listen to nonstop incredible teaching. I love that and I value that. But we're in a grave danger if we value something above and beyond what God also values. See, I thought that God speaking in dreams was so flaky, so subjective, so open to misinterpretation. And let's face facts, way too weird. And yeah, because God is God, the way he got my attention was through two dreams, a couple of months apart. The first dream happened. Again, the context is that I'm beginning to wonder, does God speak apart from Scripture? And I began hearing stories of people, and I was kind of intrigued, but I wasn't sure, and I didn't want to be deceived. And then I have a dream. My first dream takes place in Brussels. I love when you have a dream and you just know you're somewhere. Isn't that a great feeling? You know, you have a dream and you have, you're telling a friend, I had a dream last night. I was in Paris. And they're like, well, how do you know you're in Paris? And I'm like, I don't know. I just knew. Well, did you see the Eiffel Tower? No. You see the Champs-Élysées? No, no. I just knew. I love that. I love that knowing. You know that knowing that you can have in dreams, you can have in real life. It's a gift of the word of knowledge. You just know stuff and you don't know how you know it. Anyway, that was for free. So I have this dream. I'm in Brussels. I'm on a train. I'm in Brussels. In this train, we pull into a train station. The train station is below ground level. I get off the train. I walk up a huge flight of steps up to ground level. And as I near the top, there's two young men handing out pieces of paper. One of them hands me the piece of paper. And I look at it, and it's in French. So in the dream, I'm using my best schoolboy French to kind of translate what it means. And it says, Mercredi a set or. And I'm thinking, okay, that's Wednesday, I think. And I think that's 7 p.m. And while I'm figuring this out, one of the young men comes up to me and says, sir, do you understand what you read? And I said, I don't. And he says, can I pray for you? And I say, yes. And as he lays hands on me in the dream, everything goes white. I feel electricity pouring through my body and I wake up shaking. And I'm like, Whoa, that was intense. And I wrote it down. I wasn't in the habit of writing down my dreams. I just wrote it down. I don't know why, but I wrote it down. I wrote it down in my journal. Would you know, a couple of months later, I was actually in Brussels. I was visiting a friend. I don't think I'd ever been to Brussels before. 
And I'm on a train. I have a day off there at work. And so I'm on a train and I go into Brussels and I pull in this train station. It's an underground train station. There's a huge flight of steps up to the ground floor, up to the kind of the sidewalk. So I'm walking up this big flight of stairs and there's two young men at the top handing out pieces of paper. And so I take a piece of paper and it's in French. And so I'm standing there and I'm trying to work out what does it mean? And it says a mercredi, a set or, and I'm like, I think that's Wednesday. And one of the young men comes over to me and says, sir, do you understand what you read? And I say, I don't. And he says, well, we're from a church called Brownsville and we're here telling people about the love of Jesus. May we pray for you? And I say, yes, you can. And they pray for me and boom, down I go right on the sidewalk in the middle of Brussels going, ah, as the power of God is flowing through me. Sometime when I'm on the ground, I'm like, ah! and I jump up and I have my backpack on me and I pull out my journal. And there, dated and handwritten, is a dream that I read these kids from Brownsville and they freak out. I'm not sure who's more excited that I had the dream, me or them. And I remember going home thinking, that's preposterous. You can't make this stuff up. That's unbelievable. God, maybe, maybe you do speak in dreams. <laughs> going out on a limb here. <clears throat> While a first dream showed me an event that was yet to come, the second was a little different. I had a dream, and I had a dream. I used to work with computer systems, and I used to work with a friend called Mark, and I, I'd, I'd left that job and I'd moved on. But anyway, I have a dream, and in this dream, I'm observing. I'm not in the dream, I'm just purely observing. And I see my friend Mark at a big computer terminal, and the whole computer system has crashed. And Mark is reading through lines of code, and he's reading through lines of code. He realizes this is code that Alan has written. And he knows that because I left comments in there. And in the dream, I'm aware that his heart is like, oh, it's, it's kind of like happy and sad. It's happy like, oh, I miss Alan. It's sad because I'm like, I wish he wrote better code. And so and then I wake up. And I'm thinking, that was a weird dream. Like, again, I'm not thinking, the Lord has spoken. I'm just thinking, that was a weird dream. And so a couple of days later, I bump into my friend Mark. I'm like, oh, oh. Dude, I had a dream about you on Friday night. And he's like, really, what was the dream? I said, in the dream, all of the networks had crashed, and you were sitting at a terminal, and you were trying to debug the code, and you came across some code I'd written, and you were like, oh, I miss working with Alan, but I wish he'd written better code. And he's like pale. He's like, dude, on Friday, that literally happened. I'm like, what? He said, the whole network crashed, shut down. It was my job to debug the code. I came across code, and I was like, <gasps> I was like, God, maybe you're speaking to me. In dreams. <laughs> now, why would God do that? Because he's Jehovah Sneaky. And he loves to get our attention. You know, as I said, the church that I grew up in, and I suspect many churches even today, dreams are often despised. Now, we wouldn't say we despise them, but we would have no value on them. And perhaps we'd hear stories like that with some derision or some suspicion. But though they're despised by the church, they're not by the Lord. He actually loves them. In fact, his preferred way of speaking is in dreams. Look at this. Numbers 12, verse 6. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. Consider that. If you and I are going to get excited, let's get excited about what God is excited by. He loves to speak in dreams. Now, lest you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not a prophet, so I guess I'm excused from that verse. No, you're not. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Peter jumps up and he quotes the prophet Joel, 
who speaks about a day that is coming. And the day is here, according to Peter. He said, this is that. And he says this, um, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my flesh on all people. And one of the, sorry, what did I say? No, I didn't. Okay. I will pour out my spirit. Thank you. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. One of the byproducts of the Holy Spirit being released to everybody is we all get to prophesy. That was paradigm shifting in the Old Testament. Only prophets got to prophesy. Or when the Holy Spirit descended on people for a moment. And so here Joel is looking forward to a day. Look at this, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So good news, if you're a son or a daughter, you get included in the whole prophetic bubble. And the Lord, as a birthright of you being a child of God, would love to speak to you. I had a friend once and I said, why does God always speak to you in the shower? And he says, to be honest, it's the only time I've got my mouth shut. <laughs> I don't want my mouth filled with shampoo. So the Lord's like, I can get an edge. I word an edgeways. One of my life verses came out of a journey with the Lord. I remember wrestling with this whole thing. I'd had those dreams. I didn't want to be deceived. I'm asking the Lord. Literally, I remember praying and saying, God, do you speak today? And my reading that day was Job 33, verse 14. Look at what it says. For God does speak, now way, now one way, now another, that no one perceives it. Consider for a moment the kindness of God. Little brethren boy, little boy, grown up in an evangelical church, his only grid for God speaking is through the Bible. And I'm asking, God, do you speak today? And through the Bible, his answer comes. God does speak, now one way, now another, The man does not perceive it. That verse just jumped into my heart. And I was like, Lord, I want to be somebody who perceives what you're saying. And I started my journey to understanding dreams and visions, which wasn't easy for me because I was like, this is so flaky. Look at what it says. For God does speak now one way, now another, then no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit and their lives from perishing by the sword. I was so encouraged to read that God is speaking. I was so saddened that we're not listening. And right there, I discovered in the Bible that God speaks in dreams. When we sleep, God speaks in our ears. He speaks with warnings and instruction and all with the purpose of prospering us and saving us. Isn't he kind? Isn't he brilliant? I want to give you just four purposes of dreams. There's way more. I'm talking about like four high-level purposes of dreams. As I was doing a study in Scripture of all the dreams, there's about 21 different dreams in Scripture. They're fascinating to read. I'd encourage you to read them. And these are the four main purposes I've found. There's way more. John Paul Jackson, who's an expert, had 20 different types of dreams. Um, but I want to have lunch today, so I'm just telling you four. <laughs> the first classification is warning dreams. We've already read some of those. You know, uh, Joseph gets his dreams from the angels, but there's several in Scripture. Um, What about the wise men? The wise men go to see Herod. They're like, hey, where's the king? We've come to pay homage. And then Herod's like, oh, yeah, when you find him, come back and tell me about it. And it says this, 
Verse 12 of Matthew 2, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God is so good at keeping us from danger by warning us in dreams. How about this one, insight and understanding? I love that. I love being so perplexed and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. Going to bed, doing nothing and waking up with a dream with an answer to my question. If that's not fast track to revelation, I don't know what is. I mean, you can't be lazier than when you're asleep. You're like, now I'm not suggesting you're like, I don't understand, you know, well, high school students aren't in here, but you're like, I don't understand this math riddle. Give me some NyQuil. Let's see what the Lord has to say. I'm not suggesting that, but what I am saying is revelation, insight, and understanding comes as we sleep. I love the story. You know, it's very familiar with, of Jacob's ladder where he is wandering around. He goes to sleep, has this incredible dream of a ladder going into heaven and angels ascending and descending on it. And he wakes up and he says this, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. How many of us need that revelation? Where we are in life at mo- this moment and we're like, where's the Lord? You have a dream. You're like, I was not aware of it. You're right here. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I love this. This, I'm, I'll be honest with you, this is a weird dream, but stay with me. How about this one? This is, how many of you remember the story of Jacob and his uncle uh, Laban, right? Oh my gosh, like this, this dream is just crazy. Listen to this. Imagine having lunch with Laban. You're at Chipotle and you're just sitting down and you got some tacos and he's like, hey, I had a dream. I'm like, oh, what was the dream? In breeding season, I had this dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats were mating with the flock where streets speckled or spotted. And you're like, okay, good conversation. Thanks so much for sharing. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted, for I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. And over tacos, you're trying to work out what does the dream mean? And like, what's the symbolism? Well, you got to keep reading to find out what happens. He ended up using that revelation that he had in a dream to breed really strong goats that were street speckled or spotted. Traditionally, nobody wanted those goats. He took them, and it says this, Genesis 30, verse 43, in this way, in the way of him acting out what he saw in his dream, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks, female and male servants, and camels, and donkeys. What if the answer to the prayer that you're praying right now will be answered in a dream? What if you have no grid for the dream to come to you? What if God's been speaking to you in a dream and you've not been perceiving it? What if the solution to your financial woes or your relational woes are waiting for you when you go to bed tonight? I love I love going to bed and just saying, Lord, would you speak to me tonight in a dream? I love it. It is my preferred way of hearing the voice of the Lord. Do you know why? I can offer zero interference. The Lord speaks to me in a vision or I have a word of knowledge. Man, I have to go out on a limb. I don't know. Did I just make it up? Is it just me feeling? Is it my compassion for something? What's going on? When I have a dream, I've got nothing to do with it. I just have this dream and I'm left with this amazing, what feels like jigsaw puzzle. I'm like, I'm so excited. You know, a lot of the dreams that I have come along under this thing of insight and understanding. I remember uh, last month I had a a situation in my work where I couldn't understand the motives of somebody's heart. Now, they're not in this room, so nobody needs to be suspicious, right? But I'm, I'm having this interaction with somebody. 
Then our actions seemed fine, but oh, it just didn't sit well with me. And I'm like, Lord, I can, sometimes I can't tell. Is this my discernment or is it my judgment? How many of you ever been there? Okay, only one honest person, right? The rest of you, Father, give them a dream to convict them, right? So I'm like, Lord, I don't know because it, oh, it just, ah, that conversation really bothered me. I don't know what it is. Would you speak to me? That night I go to bed, I have a dream. In the dream, I go to Jeff Dollar and I say, hey, Jeff, Here's uh, the situation. We had this conversation, and I'm feeling like this. What do you think? And in the dream, Jeff Dollar says to me, Alan, that's not judgment, that's wisdom. And as I'm leaving the dream, the Holy Spirit gives me a tool of interpretation in the dream, and I wake up, and I use that tool. to. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I just felt instant peace. I was like, you have given me insight and understanding about this situation. Sometimes as a pastor, people come on my radar because of a dream. And I'm just like, oh, God, thank you for that. AJ and I have bought two houses since moving to America. The first time we bought a house, it wasn't even on my radar. This is the fun of being married to a prophet. AJ was like, I think we need to buy a house. I was like, I think we need more money to buy a house. I don't think that's going to happen. And so she's learned not to push. She was just like, like, okay, Lord, I feel like we need to buy a house. Would you speak to Alan? A couple of months pass, I have a dream. In the dream, a friend of mine walks up to me. And says, hey, uh, there's a new woman that started uh, working at my job. I think she can help you buy a house. Well, I wake up from that dream. I tell AJ. And AJ's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I forget about it. Till I come to church and my friend walks up to me and says, hey, be me to tell you. There's a new lady that's joined our staff. She, you know, she's at my job. I think she can help you buy a house. And I was like, is that so? <laughs> and so one thing leads to another. We bought a house. But I love it. It started in a dream. Moving to Nashville. I have a dream in Iceland. It's a dream within a dream. I won't tell you the whole dream, but I, <clears throat> in the dream, this amazing event happens. We're all celebrating and we go to bed. We retire that night. As we go to bed, I have a dream, but I'm still in the first dream. Are you with me? And in the dream, I dream exactly what just took place. And then I wake up. And when I wake up, I'm thinking, that's amazing. I just dreamt what happened. And I go and I find John Arnott, my pastor at the time. And I just said, John, this is still in the dream. I just dreamt this. What do you think it means? And in the dream, John says to me, you need to connect with Jeff Dollar and you need to connect with him now. And I wake up and I'm like, holy mother of pearl, that's the most intense dream I've ever had. And I get up, it's about 4 a.m. I'm in Iceland. I write it down to this day, the most intense dream I've ever had. Dream within a dream, it ends by John Arnott saying, you need to connect with Jeff Dollar, you need to connect with him now. I don't know Jeff Dollar, I've met Jeff Dollar. I'm like, this is crazy. So I call John Arnott. I said, John, I had an intense dream last night. He's like, tell me the dream. So I tell him the dream, it's a dream within a dream. And it's. And I said, so what do you think the dream means? And John's like, I'm no expert, but I think it means you need to connect with Jeff Dollar and you need to connect with him now. So here's his phone number. Jeff's great, you'll love him. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just call up Jeff Dollar and said, hey, you don't know me. I didn't say, hey, I had a dream. I just said, hey, you don't know me. Um, my wife and I are going to be in Nashville in a couple of weeks. We'd love to meet you. And we met him. And the next thing we know, we moved to Nashville. Started in a dream. How about this? Foretelling future events. I got lazy with my biblical uh, references here. I just said all of Joseph's and Daniel's dreams. Because... <laughs> Scholars today are still deciphering the interpretation of Daniel's dreams. So, but seriously, like from the dreams they had as young men all the way through to interpreting Potiphar's and their king's dreams, it's phenomenal. I just, I love that. Incredible. 
And then this last one that I've got here is visitations from God. This is easily my favorite classification of dream. And if you're listening, if you're kind of tuned out right now, come back, come up, come back, because this is like the most powerful moment of the sermon. There's so many events in Scripture that take place in a dream. Right? That is phenomenal. The one I want to focus is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. We all know about King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, and we also know about his encounter with the Lord, where the Lord came to him and said, hey, um, ask me anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he's like, ah, I'm just a young boy, give me wisdom so that I can rule your people well. And the Lord's like, because you answered that, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for, riches, fame, wealth, all of that. Now, I wasn't aware, but that whole exchange took place in a dream. I was kind of hoping for a bit of shock and awe, so we'll try that again. And I didn't realize that all of of that took place in a dream. (laughs) Feel so loved right now. It's the most engaged audience I've ever taught. I love it. But consider this for a moment. He had a dream. He was not involved in that at all. He had a dream, and in the dream, what took place in the dream had profound impact outside of the dream. Can you see why I'm asking the Lord for dreams? I'm like, Lord, I want to encounter you in my dreams. It's amazing that that out of the dream of that young man, his whole life and the destiny of the whole nation he was leading changed. He had a physical manifestation of wisdom and wealth. How many of you are excited for your Sunday afternoon nap now? (laughs) How many of you are, are aware of a man called John Paul Jackson? He's no longer with us. Sadly, he's in heaven. A great prophet, a phenomenal uh, dream expert, gave his life to studying biblical dream interpretation. We had the, the privilege of having him several times in Toronto. And I remember one time he was here for a conference. We're going to have dinner with him. And, you know, AJ, AJ cheats. I mean, she has some of the most incredible dreams that are just all literal. She just needs no interpretation. She's like, I'm just God's favorite. What can you do? I'm like, I thought I was God's favorite, but I still have to interpret the riddles. But anyway, she asked John Paul, John Paul, she said, I have these dreams. I've never heard anybody talk about them. Can you tell me, like, what do these dreams mean? He's like, well, tell me your dreams. She says, well, what happens is I go to bed, I fall asleep, but then I wake up, but I'm still asleep. It's like, okay. She said, so I wake up and I'm in a black room. I'm just in dark, but I'm fully awake, fully conscious, though I'm still asleep. And then the Lord just comes and speaks to me audibly. And John Paul says, yeah, those, those are not dreams. She's like, they're not? She's like, no, they're, they're visitations of the night. And then he's like, you know, pass the bread rolls. And just as if that was the most normal thing in the world, I was like, oh, okay, I guess you're having visitations of the night. Again, what are we missing out on when we ignore the things that the Lord is doing while we're asleep? I want to leave you with four things. I'm I'm hoping to whet your appetite for more dream interaction. I want to leave you with four things that you do once you've had a dream. The first thing is it's important to understand that interpretation of your dreams belongs to God. The same Holy Spirit that gave you the revelation is the same Holy Spirit who'd only be too happy to help you gain understanding from your dreams. Look at these two experts. This is a quote from Daniel and a quote from Genesis where Joseph is speaking. 
Daniel, I mean, Daniel, Daniel serves some psychopaths. You read the book of Daniel recently? You're just like, go read that. It's just unbelievable. So King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. The dream freaks him out, calls all his wise men and say, hey, can you interpret my dream for me? They're like, sure, tell us the dream. He's like, uh-uh, you tell me the dream and the interpretation. I'm like, sir, nobody can do that. Fine, you're all dead. And just issues this big command. He's going to kill the law of them. That news reaches Daniel. He goes and sees his three friends and says, we need to pray. They pray and the Lord gives Daniel not only the dream, but the interpretation. Phenomenal. Before I talk anymore, how wonderful would it be if the Lord started troubling our world leaders with godly dreams? That bypasses the intellect, bypasses, you know, advisors and, you know, law and this and that and that. Just they're troubled. And the only answer they can get is from godly counsel. Lord, would you... Would you trouble our world leaders with godly revelation where they need to seek out godly men and women to give godly revelation to help change and transform nations? So anyway, comes in before the king and the king says to Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Now, consider we already know, yes, he can. Consider also that if he can, he's... Look at Daniel's response. No. No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mysteries asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. <sighs> Isn't that a revelation that needs to come back to the world? He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Tells him the dream, tells him what it means. Profound impact on that king's life. Remember, Joseph is in prison and the cupbearer and the baker both have dreams. And they both look really, really sad. They're having their latte in the morning. And, and, and Joseph's like, hey, what's wrong? And they're like, well, we both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, Genesis 40, verse 8, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. I love, I have many friends who are very, very gifted Dream interpreters. I mean, I can differentiate between people who are skilled from history and from practice in interpreting dreams to people who have a gift of wisdom and understanding. There's a couple of people I know that when they interpret dreams, I'm like, that is profound. It's amazing. And I love that. And I love that we need one another. You know, Daniel could interpret the dreams of others, be a difficulty at time interpreting his own. It's because we need the body of Christ. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, interpretation belongs to God. In the years I've been studying dreams, there's two things that make me nervous. The first thing is that Christians who think that every dream they have must be from God. That's not true. The second thing that makes me nervous is folks who think they can just look up a dictionary of meaning and deduce the meaning of the dreams. Now, to be sure, there are consistent symbols used throughout Scripture. But here's the thing. There's also that whole thing. I mean, for example, snake, good or bad? bad, right? A snake in scripture is used to represent Satan, right? That great serpent. Except for that one time when all the people were being bitten by snakes and Moses fashioned a snake on a rod and held it up and everybody who looked at it was saved and it was a type of who? So there you have it. A snake could either be Satan or Jesus. The Holy Spirit just loves to keep you on your toes. What about, you know, Aslan? You see Aslan in a dream, good or bad? Good, because the line of the tribe of Judah, yeah. Except for our great adversary who, you know, ro- you know, roams around seeking to whom he can devour like a lion. 
So here's the thing. Leaning on dictionaries will only get you so far. You need the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit to rest upon us and give us wisdom. This is the majesty of God. He speaks to us in riddles, so we need him to interpret it. He's a genius like that. I'll tell you why in a second. Second thing that's going to help you as you're walking with the Lord, learning to hear from is you cannot interpret that which you do not have. That means get in the practice of writing down your dreams or recording your dreams. I tried recording my dreams, but they basically sound like, I was dreaming of some beach. And in the morning, I'm like, what is that? It didn't help me. Meanwhile, I'm covered in bruises because they're just like, shut up, shut up. I'm trying to sleep. So I have a little iPhone app. I know that comes as a huge shock to you all, but I have a little app on my phone. When I wake up, as soon as I have that dream, I have stopped doing, at least I hope I stopped doing that. That dream is so vivid, I'll remember it in the morning. Anyone ever done that? Like, that was the clearest dream I've ever had. I'll clearly remember it. And by lunchtime, you're like, I think I had a dream. So I've just, I've just disciplined myself. I'm going to write down the dream. I, I've got an app. For those of you who care, some people asked, it's called Bear, like the animal. And uh, the reason I have that app is it allows the screen to be inverted because the last thing you want at 2 a.m. in the morning is your retinas to be burnt by a bright white screen and black text. So it's a black screen with white text, and I, I can write down my dream. So write down your dream. It's super, super important. When you do that, you become like Daniel. Look at this, Daniel 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dreams. We're kind of glad he did because, you know, half his book is made up of his dreams. So if he didn't, be a shorter book. There's also a link between writing things down and revelation. First Chronicles 28, 19, David said this, All this the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. The Lord gave him revelation. He gained understanding as he wrote it down. When we get in a habit of writing down our dreams, the Lord sees that we honor what's precious to him and he gives us more. Number three, in my experience, most dreams that you have, 95% to 99% of the dreams that you have will be about you. And a lot of them are going to be symbolic. In Scripture, more than half the dreams are symbolic. In my experience, speaking to me personally, about 75% of my dreams are symbolic. I wake up and I know there's lots of imagery in it. I don't know what it means but this is where the fun begins. In Proverbs, I think it's 25.2, it says, the Lord, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search a matter out. What that means is God loves to take his communication and wrap it up in riddles and play on words and dreams and visions and parables and then throw it to you. And then we get to unwrap it. And at times it's incredibly frustrating, but the goal is to bring us back to him so he gets to see our face. So he speaks to us. We're like, our spirits are alive, but we don't know the meaning. We wander around and eventually we come back saying, God, would you tell me a dream? He's like, I'd love to tell you the dream. I just want to see your face. It's win-win. We get more of him. He gets more of us. And he gives us the meaning and the understanding. You know that it's said of Jesus that he said nothing to the people without teaching them in parables. Same principle. Because the hungry press on, the satisfied walk away full. I'm thinking about how much sweet intimacy I missed with the Lord because I despised one of the ways he loves to speak. 
I used to scoff at people who said, I heard this in a dream. But I've come to appreciate the majesty of the way God wraps things up in riddles and plays on words and, you know, all this sort of stuff. I just, I think it's beautiful and I love it. Lastly, Scripture is the bedrock of interpretive principles. My encouragement is if you want to understand your dreams, read Scripture, duh, but also like read the dreams and their interpretations. Read the parables. Read the visions. If you're up to it, read Ezekiel in one sitting. Have some Red Bull ready to go because it starts off intense and doesn't slow down. When you read that, you get interpretive clues just given to you all along. I love it. Remember I was telling you about my dream within a dream? Josh does. Remember I was telling you about the dream within a dream? That always like stuck with me. Like I had the same dream inside of a dream. Like what is, that must mean something. So one day I'm reading and I'm reading about um, Pharaoh having his dreams. Remember the dreams about the fat cows, the skinny cows, the fat head of wheat, the skinny head of wheat. And he's perplexed. Again, another world leader, totally perplexed, calls in Joseph. Joseph tells him the dream. Listen to this little nugget that's found in Genesis 41, verse 32. Joseph says this, The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. When you have a dream within a dream, or two dreams, or a recurring dream, God is highlighting this. He's like got a big highlighter, big bold caps, underlying, saying, pay attention to this. This matter has been decided in my heart, and I will do it soon. All sorts of things like that. I was reading uh, one of Daniel's dreams. I was studying this a couple of weeks ago. And in the dream, remember the dream of the ten horns, and the other horn is a little horn, it's super boastful. And Man, I was like, he seems really interested in that little horn. Pay attention to the details that stand out to you in the dream. Right? Not the ones that stand out to you after, but in the dream, if something stands out, play a game of contrast. If in the dream there's a big tiger, ask yourself, why a tiger and not a leopard? Like, why a tiger and not an elephant? When you begin to ask questions of the Lord, you just begin to see his majesty and his brilliance and what he's doing. Maybe it's a play in words. But anyway, the little horn. In the dream, he's asking about the little horn and an angel explains to him who the little horn is. I was like, well, that's cheating. He's not even out of his dream yet to interpret it. How's that fair? You know what I did? I was inspired by that. I said, Lord, if you would give Daniel interpretive clues while he's in the dream, would you do that for me too? And guess what? Did that for me too. Which leads me to my final point. I want to encourage you that everything you don't have in the kingdom is on the other side of one activity. Asking. I remember listening to Bob Jones, a famous prophet, a wonderful prophet, now with the Lord. He used to get anywhere between five to ten dreams and visions a night. Visitations. I'd be like, that is unfair. Lord, he is hoarding all the revelations. Share some of it. About. Here I am in Scotland, I get none. And the Lord says, you do not have because you do not ask. So I started asking, God, would you speak to me in dreams? If you're listening to me this morning, going, well, I don't get dreams. Maybe you're being passive. I don't get dreams because God likes me more than you. I get dreams because I ask God more than you. Probably. I ask God all the time, Lord, God, speak to me in a dream. I love a dream. Oh, I love it. And when I get a dream, I hold on to it. I treasure it. I roll it around my head all the time. I had a dream last week profound dream. 
I had a dream that I was supposed to be at an appointment at 4 p.m. and I get there at 3.58 p.m. And as I'm waiting for my appointment at 3.58, boom, the radio pops on. I'm, I haven't even done anything. And they're like, warning, there's a tsunami and a tornado about to happen. I'm like, oh my gosh. No sooner as that finished, boom, tsunami hits. Next thing, boom, tornado hits. I'm like, what the heck's happening? Next thing I know, I'm, I'm flying in my car thinking, this is terrifying. What's going to happen? Next thing I know, I'm at Chester and Betsy Kilstra's house. I wake up and I'm just like, good Lord, what was that? So I ask the Lord, Lord, I don't know what that means. I need some understanding. So the Lord says, I'll happily tell you. So he tells me what the dream means. He's like, the dream means, Alan, you've just been through a season of transition. You've just lost your mother. You've just lost your father. That's the tsunami. That's the, um, what's the other one? Tornado. He said, when you're caught up, you don't know which way is left or right. That's how you're feeling right now. The fact that you're at the Kilstras, oh, I love that you've gone to look for healing of your heart. I look up 358. I hope this is like meaningful to you when I actually finally read it. And you're like, eh. oh yeah, here you go. Lamentations 358. Lord, you have come to my defense. You've redeemed my life. Isn't that the kindness of the Lord? So I have this dream and it's hugely impacted. But I was stuck without the interpretation. What did I do? I just asked the Lord, Lord, what does this dream mean? And he told me. And so um, my encouragement to you, if you're sitting there going, I never get dreams or I never remember my dreams, ask the Lord. He'd love to speak to you. I feel like at the moment in this season of my life, I get a significant dream from the Lord maybe once every 10 days. Like every week or so, I'm like, oh, this is profound, Lord. I love this stuff. Ah, My point is, like everything, we do not have because we do not ask. So there you go. I encourage you. Read your Bible. Pray every day. You'll grow, grow, grow. And at night, ask God for a dream and be astonished at what comes your way. Here's the thing. What I would love to do is, I'd love to ask those of you who would like to grow in the frequency of dreams that you have, or would like understanding of the dreams you have to to stand. And I'd love to pray for you. There's nothing special about my prayer. What's special is you responding in faith to the preaching of God's word. Like if I sowed salvation and you stood for salvation, that would be a great harvest. But today I've preached on dreams and God's desire to speak to you in dreams. And so I'm glad that you stood. So Holy Spirit, we're standing because we, we, we love your revelation. We love your wisdom. We love your understanding. And Lord, I'm asking that all of us here, Lord, would have a marked increase in our dream life. That we would have visitations from the Lord in our dreams, Lord. That you would speak to us, that you would warn us, that you'd give us prophetic understanding. You'd give us insight. And that, Lord, for those of us who say that we can't dream, Lord, I ask that you would remove any blockage in our hearts and that you would love to speak to us, Lord. For those of us that do dream, Lord, I ask that you would increase the number of dreams that we have from you, that you would give us a spirit of discipline to write things down and wise counsel as we seek to understand what you're saying to us at night. And we ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want to do one other thing. If you're, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you've been a person that struggled with night terrors or nightmares and the thought of you having dreams again scares you. I'd love to pray for you uh, because it sounds like the hallmark of the enemy to rob you of getting something that God would love to give you. So uh, let me let me pray for you. If that's you, just, I don't know, just 
tell yourself, he's talking about me, just so that you're participating in the activity. So Lord, for those of us who've had night terrors or nightmares or are scared about having dreams, Lord, in case there's content and it disturbs us, Lord, I take authority over every demonic thing right now and bind it and forbid it from manifesting while we sleep. And Lord, I ask that right now that you would assign, Lord, angels and the sword of the Lord, Lord, to sever every ungodly access that is accessing people while they sleep. And that you would make us a community of dreamers, that we would have incredible revelation that would be used to change our businesses, our communities, our families, uh, the city, the state, and our nation, Lord. And I'm asking that you would put the right people in the right places to interpret the dreams of others, Lord, and that we would see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. You guys are wonderful. From my family to yours, we wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone